Hi there, and welcome to the Vertical Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information about Vertical, please check out our website at verticalministries.net. Hey, thank you guys so much. Um, well, uh, I don't have a great segue, so if you have a Bible, grab it. Uh, so. <laughs> No, I, I will say this. Maybe this will be a, a little bit of a connection for you tonight. Um, every bit of the magic and the illusions, the stuff that I've learned, the way every bit of it works is there's, uh, there's something that happens right in front of you that you completely miss. That your, your mind is, or your eyes are misdirected and though the answer is right in front of you, you just don't know how to see it. My, my hope tonight is this. I believe with all of my heart that not a single one of us in this room, myself included, are here by accident or, or happenstance. And I know that I, I, I realize that we all walk into this place in just different areas of like, or in different spots in our spiritual journey. Some of us, we feel like we just got duped into being here, have really no idea what this is all about. Some of us are very passionate about the name of Jesus and are just excited about another semester. But regardless of where you, you fall, I believe this with everything in me, not a single one of you here by accident. And what's more than that is I believe with everything in me that the God of the universe is here tonight. And I believe that he has something in store for you. I believe that he wants to speak to your heart, that he wants to whisper to you. And, and I would hate for God to show up tonight and be right in front of us. And somehow, some way, we miss it. That whether we're distracted or misdirected or just don't know where to look, that we would miss God showing up tonight and speaking to our hearts. So I want to pray for us real quick, and then we're just going to dive into the Word, and we're not going to be here too long. But I just want to encourage you and hopefully breathe life into you. But let me pray for us tonight. Jesus, we believe that you're here tonight. And we believe that you want to speak to your people. That you have something in store for us. And so I pray that right now, for each and every one of us, that you would begin to open up our hearts Open up our eyes to see you, Jesus. Open up our ears to be able to hear your voice. We need your help in that, Jesus. We, right now, man, the world seems to be flipped upside down. Anxiety, and just like Logan said, is crashing our hearts and we feel overwhelmed. Some of us coming into this place as freshmen or even you know, going, oh my gosh, what does it look like to be a college student? Or some coming into their senior year just hoping to make it to the end and all, all the way in between. But Jesus, right now, I pray that you would just quiet our heart and speak to us. Father, would you use me tonight? If there's anything that doesn't line up with your heart, if there's anything that doesn't, doesn't echo what you want to say to these students at Baylor, Father, I pray that you would just close my mouth. May my words resemble your heart, Jesus. I love you. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And as you turn there, I'm just going to kind of catch you up with what's going on in the story. As we're going to meet a guy by the name of Saul. 
Now, if you have any church background, um, he's a pretty popular character, and some of you know exactly, you know the story already. But Saul was um, a Jewish leader. I mean, very zealous, very religious. I mean, loved I mean, everything about his culture, everything about his religion, and was just amped up about it all. But all of a sudden, there comes onto the scenes a group of people that begin to threaten his religion. They begin to threaten the Jewish ways, the Jewish rituals, the Jewish culture in some ways. Because they begin to say that, hey, listen, it's not about your religion. It's not about your race. It's not about your color. It's not about your creed that get you into the presence of God Almighty. Instead, it's through one person, the person of Jesus, that he's the way, that he came and as a, as a ransom and as a rescue, and he is our hope. He is the way. They would even call themselves followers of the way. And this man by the name of Saul is frustrated. He views them as like a cancer, a plague, and he's trying to eradicate them and get rid of them. And so he's kind of, as he's leading the charge against this early church, he's on his way to Damascus, on his way to the city council to get paperwork that would give him the right that if he sees any of these people that claim to follow Jesus, that he can arrest them on the spot or persecute or kill them. So that's where we find ourselves in the story. He's very zealous, very excited about getting this authority. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, this is what it says. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Verse 4, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And check his response in verse 5. And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the voice responds, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. And the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now I want you to see what happened here. Don't miss this. Saul on his way to the city council to get this paperwork. A bright light shines, knocks him off a horse. He's blind. He hears a voice speak to him saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And his response is, who are you, Lord? Who, who are you? And Saul in this moment has a cosmic encounter with Jesus Christ and it flips his world upside down, drastically changes him, even to the point his name gets changed and he gets later referred to as the Apostle Paul, goes on to be the greatest missionary that our church has ever seen, writes over 50% of the New Testament, starts 14 churches throughout Europe and East Asia, that's not true, not East Asia, sorry, West Asia and Africa. 
So he's planting these churches. And this dude's like walking in like varsity level Christianity. There's even like a story where he drops a handkerchief and it's taken to a woman and she's healed just by touching this. Walking in authority. Eventually he's going to give his life for the gospel. So he's breathing threats and in one moment it drastically changes everything about him. And I want you tonight to see in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and if you can't get there, you can write this down and please check it later. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a church that he helped start. And this is his journal entry to them. To encourage them, to plead with them, and this is what I want you to hear tonight. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, it says this, But whatever gain I had, Paul just listed out in the beginning of this chapter his resume. All the things, I mean, all his accolades, all all his bullet points on his resume, all the things that would have made his Jewish mother just so proud of him. All the things that would allow us to just stand up and applaud him. He lists all of those things. And then his response in verse 7 is, but whatever gain I had, Whatever things that you think are awesome about me, I count them as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, garbage, dumb, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So the question I have for us tonight is this. What is it that could take a man in Acts chapter 9, breathing threats to the church, willing to persecute, to arrest, or to kill anyone who claimed to have an allegiance to Jesus? And flip his world upside down so drastically that in Philippians chapter 3, he would say that I would count it all a loss. And I want you to see this tonight. There is a one word difference between Acts chapter 9 and Philippians chapter 3. One word difference. And here's the word. Knowing. Knowing. Acts chapter 9, Saul looks at Jesus and says, Who are you? I don't, I don't know you. There's not a relationship here. I don't recognize your voice. I haven't spent time with you. I know a lot about Jesus. I've heard stories, but I don't know you. Who are you? And in Philippians chapter 3, his response is this, that I count everything a loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Not knowing about him, but being found in him. Not, not going to vertical. This is an amazing thing. Not attending a church. Not just helping with disaster relief, but knowing Christ Jesus. That's the piece that's changed everything about me. Baylor, you... There's a massive difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing them. As a junior, when I started playing basketball, and my parents got me a subscription to Sports Illustrated for Kids. So in seventh grade, I get my first magazine, and on the cover of it is the greatest basketball player that's ever walked on planet Earth. 
It's not up for debate. It's just fact. It's Michael Jordan. LeBron who is what I would say. Michael Jordan, hands down, the greatest basketball player that ever walked on planet Earth. Like I said, it's not subjective. It's just fact. But here's the deal. There was a moment in reading that magazine that like, I began to just fall in love with this basketball player, infatuated with him. Even inside of the magazine, there was like a tear-out poster that unfolded that went on my wall. True story. All the way through high school, it was on my wall. I took it to college. It was on my wall. When I moved to Washington, it went on my wall. Like, it, there was a moment where there's a time where, you're like, my, you know, my wife's like, hey, Drew, like, the poster just can't go anywhere. So we were, like, going to put it in our bathroom. And so that way, when I, like, washed my hands, I'd walk out, kiss it, just for good luck. It's not weird. It's not weird. Don't judge me. But I, I became a fanatic. Started collecting his basketball cards. Memorizing facts. I can tell you where he went to high school. I mean, we went to college. I can tell you all these stats about when he played for the Bulls championships that he's won like so many details like and I was with him like I remember even reading his book and just feeling like I was just so like like I knew Michael Jordan and and there, there was this moment where like I mean his I remember when his dad passed away and I wrote him a letter just telling him I was thinking about him okay like and I was with him through like the dark years when he retired from basketball went and tried to play baseball and do the golf thing and then he came back and he switched his number like I was with him through it all but here's what I want you to see tonight I want you to imagine that if I could and we can't but if we could teleport back in time to the mid 90s I mean like bull's heyday and we're in Chicago, and we get tickets, and we're going to go watch Michael Jordan in his prime play. And we're sitting in bleachers much like this, celebrating the game. We watch the Bulls win, and all of you look over at me, and you, I give you that eye like, this is about to go down. And I start to walk down the steps, getting closer and closer to the court. And I see Michael Jordan as I get closer, I hit a stride and full speed, I'm running to Michael Jordan. I get past security, I juke them, and I'm running full speed. And I get up to Michael Jordan. And there's that moment where I just stop in front of him. <laughs> You're Michael Jordan. I love you so much. I collected all of your basketball cards. I memorized so many stats. I have a poster of you that I kiss every time I leave the bathroom. It's not weird. Oh my gosh. I wrote a letter to you when your dad passed away. Did you get it? Um, I want you to imagine Michael Jordan's response to me moments before security take me out. As he looks at me and goes, cool, bro. Appreciate it. But here's the deal. I, I don't know you. We're, we're not friends. We don't hang out on the weekends. You don't text me or Snapchat me. I don't know you. And my point is this. There is a massive difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing them and having a relationship with them. 
I believe the scariest scripture in the entire Bible is found in Matthew chapter 7, where there's a moment where there's these religious fanatics, these religious leaders that stand before Jesus. And they say, man, Jesus, man, we did all of these amazing things for you. Like we cast out demons, we prophesied, we healed people. We did like varsity level Christian things in your name, Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and goes, cool. I'm thankful. But I don't know you. We don't hang out. I'm so grateful that you collected the cards. I'm so grateful that you memorized the facts. But we don't have a relationship. And I don't know you. That verse has haunted me. Because I think so many of us, myself if I'm not careful, get wrapped up in the idea of knowing a lot about Jesus. But not actually knowing him not realizing the relationship that's offered to you and I. That a relationship with Jesus is not just a philosophy. It's not just like a mindset. It's not just a theory. But to know Jesus, to experience him, to be loved by him. I want you to hear this tonight, that the love of God is more real than the chair that you're seated in right now. But are you experiencing that? Are you walking with Him? Is He changing you? Is your heart look more and more like Him because you walk with Him? Or is it just facts? Is it just an idea? Or do you actually know Him? For so many of us, we view this whole Christianity as like a list of rules of do's and don'ts. It's like rules and regulations and, and things we have to do and places we have to go. And so we, we make out a list. I mean, this is so many of us. This is how, how we do this. We go, Christianity is about like, hey, I can do these things over here. I can, I can go these places. I can talk about these things. I can watch these movies. I can hang out with these people. I can go to these events. But these things over here, I'm not allowed to. I can't say these words. I can't watch these movies. I can't hang out with these people. I can't talk about these subjects. And so we make it out to be a list of rules of do's and don'ts, regulations, religious hoops that we have to jump through. And we go, I have to do these things. I mean, I really want to do these things. I really want to be here, but I can't because I'm a Christian. And and here's the truth. The moment that we see Jesus for everything that he is, when we bask underneath the waterfall of his grace, his mercy, his love, when we see him for the treasure that he really is, then we look at those things and go, you know what? I don't want to do those things. I don't want to be this person. I just want you, that you are my treasure. I will give everything to pursue you, to know you, to be found in you, that I would lose every bit of it for the surpassing worth of knowing you and being found in you and anything that pulls me away from walking with you, knowing you, hearing you speak to me. Jesus, I don't want it. I'll walk away from it. You are what I want. You are my treasure. 
Do we believe that? Or are we cool with just knowing about it? Memorizing stats. Memorizing verses. Jumping through religious hoops, hoping somehow, some way, we'll earn his love. Or we stop for a moment and realize it's already been given to us. I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't know any of this. It wasn't until my senior year of high school that a youth pastor moved into our neighborhood and literally came to my front door and knocked on our door and invited me to a youth group, an event much like this. I told him, no, no thanks. That's actually not true. I told him yes, but then just didn't show up because that's what you do. He came back. A third time he came knocked on my door and eventually just says, Drew, can I take you out to eat? Let's go grab lunch. Like, you bet, bro. I love free food. (laughs) Sitting across the table from him and he asked me this question, Drew, what do you know about the Bible? I was like, I think Jesus may be the main character. Well, very good. (laughs) He said, Drew, if I could tell you the whole story in three minutes, would you want to know? like sure bro you bought lunch I'm all yours and I'll never forget what he told me he said Drew in the very beginning of this book was just God and God chooses to create everything with a spoken word just with the power of his words God creates On the sixth day, God reaches into the dirt and he forms mankind. It's the first thing that God ever touches. He then breathes life into mankind. Why? Because he was built and made for relationship so that man would walk with God, be fully known, fully loved, and experience a relationship in its fullness. We make it three chapters into the book before we totally screw it all up. And mankind looks at God and says, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to do it my own way. Like I know that you created all of this and you designed it a certain way, but I've been on earth for just a little bit and I think I know better. And in that moment, man, we, we committed treason against God. We looked at the king and said, I don't want you to be king. I want to be king. And in that moment, sin entered the world and fractured it as we know it. It broke it. And every single one of us, we know that. We feel the effects of it. We don't have to watch the news very long before we go, man, it's a broken world. Surely that this isn't the way it was meant to be. Surely this isn't how it was designed. We feel the brokenness of it. Or, or, or better yet, you hang out with a two-year-old very long. You don't have to, you're like, man, that's the most evil creature on planet Earth right there. But here's why that's interesting. Is no one teaches a two-year-old to be selfish. No one teaches a two-year-old to bite or yell mine or scream when they don't get their way. It's inside of them that sin has been passed down from father to son, mother to daughter. And it's in every single one of us like a cancer. It's a plague that is killing us. 
And the Bible says it is separated, it's broken that relationship between us and God. And it goes so far to say this, and this isn't going to feel good at all, but it goes so far, it's not like that we just broke the relationship, but that the scripture says that we're actually enemies of God, that we have declared war against him with our actions. Like, dang, Drew, that's a little intense. That's the imagery that the scripture uses, not me. But here's what I want you to see. The entire Old Testament, although it is filled with some crazy stories, some outlandish stories, the entire Old Testament is just one giant promise, and this is the promise, that God sees his people in their brokenness, and he loves them too much to leave them there. And one day, one day, he's sending a hero to fix every bit of it. And so when you turn the pages from Malachi into Matthew, Old Testament into the New Testament, you see that the hero shows up, but it's not what anyone expected because the hero was God himself, that God chooses to leave his throne room and come to planet Earth and wrap himself in human flesh. And that's who Jesus was. He was God in the flesh. I mean, that's why at Christmas time we call him Emmanuel, meaning God's with us. He's here. He moved onto our planet. He moved into our neighborhood. Walks on earth 33 years, perfect, teaching us what it means to be fully human. And then he willingly lays his life down on the cross. Listen, not his cross, but our cross. That was our death penalty for our treason against God. But he willingly laid his life down on a cross, crucified, placed into a tomb. Three days later, he raises from the grave, proving that he has the power over sin and death. And check this out. All who call upon the name of Jesus, all who confess him to be king, him to be Lord, who bow a knee and surrender their life to him. Check this. Go from being enemies of God to being adopted into the family of God. No longer enemies, no longer broken, no longer separated, but actually children of the God of the universe. Sons and daughters of the God that spoke the world into existence. To know him, for that relationship to be restored. I remember as a 19, or sorry, not 19, as a senior in high school, 17-year-old looking at this youth pastor and going, Bro, you must be smoking something. There's absolutely no way that could be true. It'd be several months later that I'd have an encounter with Jesus that would flip my world upside down. And to be honest with you, I haven't gotten over it since. Vertical, if you hear anything tonight, would you hear this? Jesus is absolutely worth it. He is a treasure beyond what you could ever imagine or conceive. And he loves you desperately. So much so that he would bring you here tonight to hear it. From some punk kid who just moved to San Antonio. To tell you that Jesus is in love with you. And he wants to know you deeply. 
And he doesn't want you to settle with just knowing facts about him. That doesn't change anyone. That may make you more moral or more religious. But Jesus came to give you life and to give it to the fullest. And so tonight, here's what I want to do. I want us just to be honest with ourselves. And I want us to ask ourselves this question, do we know Jesus? Do we like really know him? Or do we just know about him? I'm going to invite Logan and the guys to come up and kind of lead us into a, just a, a, another time of just getting to, to reflect and worship. And this is what I want us to do tonight. I want you just to ask yourself, I mean, like, be gut level honest. Like, do you know him? And some of you, if you're just really upfront and really honest with each other tonight, you go, no, Drew, I don't. I know about him. Like I've been, been doing this religious thing since I can remember. Like I feel like I was born and raised in a church. I know all of that story that you told. I know all the facts. I got it all memorized. But I don't know him deeply. But tonight I want to. I desperately want to know him. Well, tonight could be your night. Tonight could be the night that you say yes to Jesus for the very first time. You're like, well, Drew, how do I do that? Here's what I would encourage you to do. Nudge someone who loves you enough that they brought you here. Or a friend that you look at and go, listen, dude, you're like odd for God, but man, I think you really know him. You're super weird, sometimes socially awkward, but I think you love Jesus. Would you introduce me to him? Because I really, I really need to know I'm sick of playing games. I'm sick of pretending. I'm sick of trying to jump through hoops or wear the certain t-shirt or be at the right places, thinking that maybe somehow, some way, I'll earn God's favor. That somehow, some way, that I'll arrive and you are paying for something that's been given to you freely. Would you just receive it tonight? So grab someone that you know. If you're like, Drew, I feel like everyone I brought, none of us know Jesus. Or I came alone. And some of the vertical volunteers right out these exit, I mean, right out these exit doors are going to be there to hang out with you. We'd love to pray with you. Love to introduce you to Jesus. And here's the deal. Listen, the invitation isn't just for those that go, I think I don't know him. Many of you, you go, hey, listen, bro. Like, I, I, I know Jesus, but that relationship's been broken. I feel like a disconnect. I feel like I wandered in this place. And you're talking about a distant friend that I feel like I haven't seen or talked to in what feels like weeks, months, if not years. And tonight, man, I just need to be reminded that he's still here and he hasn't given up on me. Many of you, you need that encouragement. You need someone to pray for you. And that vertical team, those volunteers would love to just, just encourage you and pray over you. Some of you, you go, Drew, listen, I'm, me and Jesus are good. But bro, I'm just a few days into classes and life has already tackled me. I got family stranded in Houston I got anxiety that's just like past my neck 
I'm wondering how I'm even going to make it to the end of this semester. And I just need someone. I just need someone to pray with me. Someone to walk with me. Tonight, don't, don't walk out of this place carrying that burden on your own. Would you give it to Jesus? Would you trust him tonight? I'm going to pray for us. And you have freedom to respond with however God is leading you. Jesus, tonight, I pray for those in this room that have heard about you, that know about you, that haven't experienced the intimacy that you offer, the relationship of being closer than our skin to us. I pray for those that the relationship feels distant, feels far away. Tonight, would you remind them that you never left and you're right here. And for those, Jesus, where life seems to be suffocating, it's really difficult. Would you be ever present and overwhelm us tonight with your nearness, and your goodness. You guys have the freedom to move.